You're listening to a CFMS podcast. Welcome to the Life as a Doctor-to-be podcast. The views and opinions expressed by the speakers during these episodes are their own and do not reflect the express opinions of the CFMS. Okay, let's try this again. Um, So when I was looking at different specialties and trying to really consider family planning as I was making my decision, um, I realized how certain specialties could make it quite hard to have like a biological child during residency. (laughs) Um, Even though I don't want to have a biological child and would rather foster and adopt. Okay, I don't know why I keep going into this tangent about fostering and adoption rather than biological children. (laughs) Just say have kids. Just say have kids. Before we get into the meat of this topic, I just wanted to take a moment to recognize that, you know, this episode is purely based off of Brittany and I's personal experiences as women. And we know that that experience can vary greatly among different people who identify as women. Personally, I identify as a cisgender woman of color who has previously been in heterosexual relationships and I am also able-bodied. However, I recognize that sexual orientation race, gender identity, and disability can all affect other women's experiences in different ways than my own. And I'm not trying to speak for anybody else in any way, but I still hope that at least some parts of this podcast will resonate with women in medicine from different backgrounds all the same. Yeah, thanks, Audrey. And I also just want to mention that I am also a cisgender woman. I'm not currently in a relationship, but I've previously been in heterosexual sexual relationships. I identify as Caucasian and I'm able-bodied. My thoughts and experiences are also my own, um, but I do hope that some of the discussions that we share will resonate with your journey to some extent, however you may identify. So we just wanted to make sure that um, our audience understood this before we started our discussion. So let's get into it. Okay, so hello everyone and welcome back to our podcast, Life as a Doctor-to-be. So today on the podcast, we have myself, Brittany, and then we also have Audrey. So it's going to be the two of us that are having a discussion today. And it's going to be hopefully a very rich discussion uh, talking about sexism in medicine and what it's like to be a female going through med school and into the world as a physician. So we both are, I would say, very strong females going through medicine right now. Audrey is in her fourth year and she just submitted her CARMS application and I'm just finishing up my third year here. So we both have uh, some experiences and some opinions on the topic and we're just going to discuss it a little bit more to explore, I think, a topic that should be explored more often. So why don't we start off, Audrey, why don't you tell us a little bit about why why we wanted to talk about this today and kind of what your thoughts are on the matter? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, even before med school, I was always very interested in in women's issues and then reading like feminist theory type of books before entering medical school. And so it was interesting throughout my training to kind of observe how like things like gender norms and these roles that we have as women, how those play into, you know, my training and and what I experienced in the hospital. And 
it's something that my my friends and I, my girlfriends and I always discuss. So I thought that, you know, since it's such a common experience for a lot of the women in medicine, that it's important to address the specific issues that we go through and to make these conversations more more mainstream so that we can actually tackle these issues better. Yeah. And, and I totally agree. Um, maybe a little bit different from you is that I, I wouldn't say that I've always been like incredibly like passionate about it. Not that I haven't thought it was important, but it's never something that really like came across my radar probably until um, late in my undergrad schooling. And then as I went through medicine and saw it a little bit more and then, and, and I didn't, you know, start too many conversations about it or anything like that. And really it wasn't until we wanted to do this podcast. I started thinking about stuff that I wanted to discuss and experiences that I faced uh, that I really got um, quite passionate about it in thinking about all those things. So I'm excited to discuss it a little bit more today. Um, and maybe let's start off with just what what perceived, you know, gender norms we experience through medicine, both in med school, whether it be planning or, or what we see our um, preceptors or attendings go through as a physician? Mm-hmm. So I think I'll start off with my experiences in my first and second year of medical school. So even like preclinical, um, I don't know how it works at, at your school, Brittany, but at ours, we have like these learning activities called small groups where you know, it's like case-based learning and you're like assigned a group of students um, and then you have a preceptor and then, you know, we all answer the questions of the case together and such. And even from the get-go, I always noticed how like the second a question was asked, the men in my group would always, you know, answer immediately without any hesitation, with full confidence in themselves. Whereas the my fellow women in the group would kind of look around, see if anybody else wanted to answer first and would hesitate, even if they're quite smart and know the answer, of course. And that's the first time that I realized that there's a certain way that women occupy space differently than men in the educational environment. There's always a little bit more self-doubt, a little bit more hesitancy in our competency. And also like just the way that we, we speak up, you know, there's a lot of moments when my fellow members in the small group would be speaking and she would be speaking and then a guy would cut her off and she would just slowly fade out (laughs) because she didn't feel like it was she could take her space to say you know like I was I was talking and you you interrupted me and that's also something else that I've noticed throughout medical school that women frequently get interrupted um, by their male colleagues yeah that's too bad I mean I say it's too bad because it it is an unfortunate reality in some circumstances. I've seen it a little bit. Fortunately, not too much in like within my colleagues amongst one another. We also have the the small group settings where we do learning just as you've described. And thankfully it hasn't really become too prominent there. There are certainly some some males who try to like exhibit dominance, but I don't necessarily think it's dominance over like women per se, I think it's more dominance just in general. But I, I have noticed it in like the hospitals and clinics that I've worked at. Um, so it does certainly exist. And I don't know about you guys. I know our school is 
oh gosh, maybe a 60-40 female to male ratio, maybe even like a little bit more female dominant. And it has been for actually quite a few years um, where there are female medical students than males, which I think is, I think it's just like a token to how medicine is hopefully changing for the future. Um, because I think everyone knows that classically this was this was a, a male profession, a male dominated profession, and females are becoming more and more involved and just executing their own intelligence and power, which I think is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I mean, it's the same about the same ratio in McGill. And from what I was reading before this podcast episode, uh, that seems to be kind of the trend both here in Canada and in the US. It, women are a little bit over the majority currently in medical training. Are there any, if you feel comfortable sharing, are there any specific like examples or instances where you really felt either yourself or like an immediate situation that you were in really saw that um, sexism come out either in the clinic or in school? Yeah, I think that the example that comes to mind immediately is just the fact that patients are always mistaking me for a nurse. Like, no shade to nurses. I love them and I think that they're amazing at what they do, but it's just so frustrating when I walk into a room, you know, I'm wearing my white coat, I'm wearing my stethoscope and a badge that says medical student on it, and I introduce myself to the patient as such, and yet they're still referring to me as the nurse. And at some point I start to wonder, am I wearing the wrong things? You know, am I not saying the right things? And it's it's hard not to question whether or not that assumption comes from a place of having sexist beliefs about what a physician should stereotypically, you know, look like. Has that ever happened to you, Brittany? Yep. Oh, way too many times to count. I I just roll with it other than I wouldn't be able to work all the IV pumps and stuff like the nurses do. Um, but yes, I have plenty of times walked into a room and I've introduced myself. I'm Brittany. I'm a third year medical student and uh, I'm here to chat with you today. Finished talking to them, doing the exam. And they say, so when's the doctor coming in? And I granted, I'm, I'm not a doctor. So technically the doctor has not been in the room, um, but they thought that they were just assessed by the nurse uh, even after I introduced myself. So it's certainly um, at first I found it very frustrating. And now like, I mean, if you can't beat them, join them. Like I just, I don't get too hung up on it because it happens so frequently, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently it continues into staffhood too. Like my friend was telling me that her older sister, who's a staff neurologist, walks into the room with her male medical student and they just assume that that's the physician and that she's their assistant. So I think that will be something that we'll just have to continue brushing off because, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but like I, I take those moments to try to educate patients too and, and say like, no, like I'm, you know, I'm the medical student. I work with the physician team. Like nurses are very respectable. They give, they do great jobs, but I'm just not part of the nursing team. That's just a misidentifier, right? So usually they take it well. They, I think it's also like a bit convoluted when you're not in the medical field, like you don't really understand what's what. But at the same time, I don't think any of my male colleagues have ever been asked if they were a nurse. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I'll I'll always remember, um, I think the first like, like real wake up for me, other than always been mistaken for something that 
I'm not, um, is this year I was in the emergency department. I was working with um, a male physician and I went to go speak with a patient about whatever was going on. And I, once I finished getting the story for them and it, I feel like it happens to all learners at some point where, you know, you go get a really good history, physical, all that kind of stuff. You come back to your attending or your preceptor. And then when you go back in together, the patient tells them a different story or tells them more or whatever. Like, I think that's happened to everyone. Um, but I remember once I came out of the room and it was a rather challenging, um, history and, and physical to do just because of the situation. And, so I, I told my my preceptor, I said, like, this is what's going on. I said, I really had trouble getting a straight answer about like this or or whatever the situation was. And and uh, so he goes in and it was like a, just a totally different atmosphere when, when he walked in the room and we came back out and he turned to me and he said, he's like, it's nothing on you. It's nothing on what you did. He's like, welcome to being a female in medicine. I'm like, oh, he's like. It still happens to the female doctors here. He's like, it just, it's a thing. Um, so that was kind of my first like, oh, well, I guess that's how it is. Um, which is, it's, it is frustrating because to say it so like, frankly, like welcome to being a, a woman in medicine. And he wasn't saying it with like any disrespect to me. He was just saying it as like a matter of fact, like you did nothing wrong. Um, but to be able to say it so matter of fact without any indication that it was ever going to change was a little bit disheartening. So I do feel like being a young woman in medicine, and that's the other thing, like we are still very young. So I think it's even more difficult for patients to be able to take us seriously or like with a matter of authority um, when we look like we're still in school, to be frank. Um, and uh but yeah, like you have to work that much harder to earn the respect of a patient, which can be really frustrating. Uh, but before I got into medicine, uh, this was another job that I was at, um, still in the health field, but not as a, a physician or a medical student. And I remember um, I was just wearing t-shirt, maybe jeans. It was in a, like a more of a, a shop space. So it was definitely not business attire. It was casual, whatever you didn't want to get dirty type of clothes. And I was working as an ergonomist and I was trying to give recommendations to some of the supervisors and, and that sort of thing based on my assessments and the different workstations. And I guess one of the higher ups went and told my boss that what I was wearing was distracting and I was, I was wearing a t-shirt and jeans. Um, and so my boss approached me and said that, um, that I should just like be mindful of what I was wearing because they, she wanted to make sure that I was taken seriously for my brains and not my body. And I'm like, well, this, <laughs> it was just such a disheartening moment where, it's still at that time in our society where like we can't be taken seriously unless we look a certain way or act a certain way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's always a double-edged sword, you know, cause it's like on one hand, people also don't take you seriously. Like if you like, I don't know how to describe this. So it's like, you know, if you don't make yourself look presentable, 
in quotation marks, then they don't take you seriously. But then if you make yourself look too presentable in quotation marks, they also don't take you seriously. They're like, oh, well, this girl just cares about her appearances. Like there's no way she has anything up in there, like in her brain, you know? And it's like, I always, I always feel super paranoid when I go to the hospital because like before scrubs and COVID, I'm like, I know my dress is not too short, but I don't want to take the risk, you know? So I'll forget, I'm just gonna wear pants. Or like, should I maybe not put that, like whatever makeup on? Because I don't know, what if they think that it's too much? Or what if they think that like I'm not smart or incompetent because I'm wearing like, I don't know, a slightly glittery pink eyeshadow? (laughs) You know? I don't know if you've ever had those thoughts cross your mind as well. Yes. I mean, I can't say about the glittery eyeshadow because I just haven't put that much effort into how I how I look, which maybe is is another point. But uh, but I have certainly had those thoughts, and it's it's a hard thing to try to manage because then I get frustrated knowing that I I know that I look presentable, but then you're so concerned about how everyone else perceives you that it adds a whole other layer to what you have to worry about. And I'll, I'll always remember. This was actually when I was preparing for like my entrance um, interviews to medical school. And I had a med student at the time who was just helping out with like helping me prep and like tips and tricks and that sort of thing. And we were talking about attire and she said she always does. I can't remember what test she called it. But basically, every time she puts on a shirt before she leaves, she goes. Oh, and I'm on a I'm on a video right now, so Audrey can see me, but no one else can see me as I'm acting this out. But basically, she takes the shirt and she leans over in front of a mirror and she jumps around to make sure that it doesn't go too low, like nothing can be seen from any angle, which, in in a sense, is like good and appropriate to make sure that like you look respectable, but. It is just like one more thing that is is making things, and and I think because we're like we're endorsing it, like we we continue to um, worry about it, and and it's commented on like it's never going to die, and this is saying nothing against like the need to look respectable. Like we're <laughs> I'm not talking that I want to be able to wear things that aren't respectable, but even even at that extent, it, it gets to be a bit much sometimes, and. And like you said, it's actually been quite refreshing with COVID to know that you have to wear scrubs and I wear a scrub cap because my hair is all over the place. Um, so it's at least taken that element away of A, worrying about it and B, uh, scrubs aren't the most flattering things. So it actually helps in that sense. Yeah, I think the part of it that I find the most difficult to deal with is the fact that it's like so subjective, you know? Like, I'm not saying show up to the hospital in your club clothes. (laughs) Like, that's a little bit extreme. But at the same time, like, it's so dependent from person to person what's considered, in quotation marks, respectable. And I find it super hard to tell where that line is. Additionally, I think I just really don't appreciate this culture where people are always obsessing over what women are wearing, what that says about their competencies and you know, what that says about their intelligence, because I just don't think that that's necessarily true. Yeah. So speaking of like attire and appropriate attire and scrubs, I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but one of the things that has been challenging that I have faced, and I'm still not really sure how to like go about it. Um, but there's been numerous occasions where I've had patients 
comment on my looks. Um, classically, it'd be like, like there was an older gentleman that commented on my eyes. Um, another one, actually a couple of patients that just used the line of oh, something along the lines of like, 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 wow, you look real cute in your uniform. And I just like, I don't know what to say. And to be honest, both times those types of lines were used. I was in the room with my preceptor and both times my preceptor was also female um, and burst out laughing. Um, they found it quite amusing. And I just like, I don't know what to do in those scenarios because like, I, I, I don't want to feel like I'm, I'm being rude to the patient, but I think it's also important to draw a line of the patient that it's not appropriate to say those kinds of things. But sometimes the way it comes out is also like quite humorous and I try not to laugh because it just is ridiculous. Um, so it puts me in a very awkward position on how to handle it. And, and I've even had like... I'd be doing just a, a family medicine appointment with someone in my office and um, they would just stop and they'd be like, like, you have the most beautiful eyes. Just had to tell you that. And You're like, did you I though? Just, did you really? I, I don't know. Audrey, how do my eyes look? They look, they look great. Pretty? They look so nice. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's just another element that I find it hard to believe that most men would have to go through those types of challenges. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen with men because I'm sure there are some instances where those types of things um, are brought up about appearance, but um, potentially it's more pervasive in, in women. And like I said, it, I just felt a little awkward in those situations. I don't know where to go with it. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely happened to me more times than I can count. And sometimes it has a little bit of a racism flavor in it too, where they comment on how exotic I look. Yeah, that's that's always nice. Um, I've never had it happen with a preceptor, but I mean, when it does happen, I just say, you know, like, I, I'm not rude, but I just say, like, this is, I try to set a boundary and say, you know, like, let's focus on you or like, focus on why you're here today rather than focusing on me. But yeah, like you were saying about um, men not experiencing it as, it, as much, I 100% I agree, like, I think all of my women colleagues have experienced this at some point during clerkship so far. Um, and I don't think that that's necessarily the same case for my my male colleagues. Like maybe a few of them have, but it's not as prevalent. That's for sure. And it comes back down to like this idea of, you know, women just often being a, a lot more objectified and uh, people feeling like they can comment on our, our appearance. Like even when we walk down the street, people feel that it's appropriate to comment on our appearance just for existing. So it's just that seeping into our clinical interactions as well, unfortunately. Yeah. And maybe this is a good time to ask about what your, and this, this actually might be a whole nother topic, so we'll see kind of where it goes, but what's your experience or thoughts on how this even bleeds into your more like your personal life away from the clinic so things like I mean so social media in and of itself is a whole other topic but when you're going like say out to a restaurant when that was a possibility um or like going to the beach or the lake or something in the summertime like do you ever think twice about what you're wearing when you go out in public even when you're not associated anything with clinic or the hospital or your school is that still a thing for you um 
Personally, I wouldn't say so. Like when I'm going out to a bar or just out with my friends, like I'm not really representing McGill Medicine in that moment. <laughs> like I don't have a giant sign plastered on my forehead that says, yeah, I'm a medical student. So it's not really something that I think about. But like you said, I think social media is a whole different conversation. Um, I guess also because I live in Montreal and it's quite big, like I'm much less likely to bump into patients than you are, Brittany. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's certainly a challenge of being in a smaller community. And Thunder Bay isn't like incredibly small. I think we're down to about 110,000. Um, so no, it's, it's not tiny, but it's one of those things. I feel like everyone knows everyone in, in Thunder Bay, um, just with the interconnectedness that, that occurs. Um, but uh, it is something that I, I think about, especially even here in the community that I'm in for my clerkship. It's much, much smaller than that. And um, it is a really tight-knit community. So, I mean, I'm here in the dead of winter, and it was minus 36 without the wind chill this morning when I woke up. So there was nothing showing on me except for my eyeballs when I left the house. <laughs> um, but I, I do find that I think twice about what I'm wearing, where I'm going, in case I run into someone I know or a patient, or I've run into preceptors multiple times when I'm out. Um, and so I shouldn't be worried about it. Um, it's not like I'm out wearing inappropriate things, I, I don't think. Um, but it crosses my mind in case, like, what if I'm out, you know, I don't know, at the lake or something. And like happened last summer, I had one of the associate deans and another preceptor who just happened to be there as well. Um, so it definitely changes the dy dynamic when, when you're in a smaller center, but I'm not sure if male counterparts would also be worried about the same thing. Like you're at a lake, I mean, swim trunks are swim trunks and like it, there, there's not much more to it than that. Um, or if, or if, males choose to wear something other than swim trunks that's also acceptable um but just talking more in general I think there's a little bit more thought that goes into some women when they go out uh, at least in my situation it is yeah yeah there's definitely more of a rigid type of expectation of what's considered professional for women versus what's considered professional for men um like I don't think most of my male colleagues think that hard about what they're wearing to the hospital usually or like you said to the lake like they, nobody's gonna judge them but um the way that we appear as women it does impact the way that people see us and how much they respect us sometimes unfortunately like that's just the society that we live in and and unfortunately being in a small town like yours I can imagine that that's that's a source of worry when you do want to kind of separate from your um, from your academic life and your personal life. For sure. It's definitely challenging. Um, maybe getting a little bit, getting away from more of the appearance part of it. What are your thoughts on being a woman in medicine and how it influences just your decisions in general about what you think your career path is going to look like and what choices you're making going through med school and into whatever your end career is? I mean, 
medical school is during that time in your life where you do kind of think about things like family planning. Like most people are in their 20s to 30s, although there's obviously the outliers. Um, people who are a little bit older who already have children. That's a whole other story, um, like taking care of a family in medicine. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's definitely something that I thought about when selecting like a residency program. I would like to be in something that is a bit more family friendly during medical school. I've definitely noticed how some specialties are more welcoming in terms of family planning. Um, one particular like program that I can think of that are kind of kind of a bad reputation for not being very friendly to family planning is like surgery, for example, because of you know the lifestyle that it entails and the expectations that they have of surgical residents. How about you, Brittany? How how has that affected your career choices? Um, so it certainly has, and and I've had um, both solicited and unsolicited advice from different physicians that I've worked alongside that have just talked about like what the, I guess what the prospects of having a quality family life in different specialties is, which I mean, I, I do appreciate. I think it's really important to know that kind of stuff before choosing a career, if that's something that's important to you. Um, but I think it's that, that if that is there, because I feel like there's an assumption because we are women, we want to get married, want to have kids, want to kind of go through like the step-by-step -step thing. And, and I mean, personally, I, I do. Um, so maybe it doesn't apply to me as much, but I think it's just the whole premise that because we're a woman in medicine, it's assumed that we need like a quote unquote soft career that allows for like lots of time off and lots of flex time. And, and I feel like some, some women and men, um, would certainly appreciate that. But hey, maybe the woman is with a partner who has a very flexible career and maternity leave isn't something that's super important to them, um, rather than just the assumption that we are here to um, first and foremost have kids and have a family and then second, have a career in medicine. Um, I think that's the big barrier that I've seen. Um, I will also agree that I have been advised against surgery if I want any sort of family life um, or to have kids and mat leave and, and that sort of thing, um, which is challenging. I mean, surgery was never necessarily a, an interest of mine. However, I have had actually great experiences with orthopedic surgery, but I like immediately crossed it off my list because of everything that I was told about it um, when it comes to, to more of the personal life, which is a, a fair assessment from many who have been through it, I'm sure. So the, the influence is certainly there. Um, I do like consider the advice that I'm given because I think that it's important to know that kind of stuff, but um, it may not be as uh, welcomed by maybe my female colleagues who aren't as um, invested in that part of their life so sure yeah I think you definitely hit the nail on the head there when you say the problem is with the assumption there's that assumption too that you know of course that's what you care about more than like being ambitious more than you know uh, moving up the ranks in the ac in academia like that's your that's not your priority obviously like your priority should be get married have a kid and carry on you know yeah. And I, uh, I feel like there's also an added stress with 
this kind of thinking because I mean, I know I'm feeling it and I'm not even currently in a relationship, so not sure where that's going to go, but, um, but this, this like timeline that we get in our heads that everyone's like, Oh, if you want kids, you should have it in residency because you get this in mat leave. And so everyone's like, Oh gosh. Okay. So I finished my fourth year. I need to get married between fourth year and residency. Then I need to have my kids in residency so that I can get my lap mat leave and then I'll finish my residency. And then my kids will be old enough that they can go to daycare. Like it's this algorithm that people kind of put in your head and it's quite stressful. Like whether you're there in like, if you're in a relationship that's at that point or not, um, it puts undue stress on that I think can cause some strain, let's say, um, that, that shouldn't otherwise be there, I think. Yeah, it's like this constant reminder that the clock is ticking and you have to plan, you know, and it's just so interesting always how people in medicine are always trying to micromanage every detail in their lives, including when they're going to get pregnant, like has to be between R3 and R4 also will never work. <laughs> yeah. There's no spontaneity into, uh, into life in medicine apparently. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's certainly, I find it very influential. Um, maybe it hasn't particularly influenced my personal path in medicine, just based on my interests. Um, but I, the influences are out there for certain, there's no denying that. And, um, I'm not confident that they're necessarily going to go away anytime soon until women start to assume these role more roles more often. Um, luckily I know, uh, actually a, a fair number of females in different surgical positions, which, um, I haven't talked to them personally, but even just seeing them in those positions, I find very reassuring. So it's nice to see women in in higher up positions at hospitals too, for example, or assuming more um, lead roles or leadership opportunities. I think those are great role models for females coming through medicine to be able to take that step if it's something that they want to do. I kind of wanted to ask this question, like you said that it personally didn't affect your career planning too much in terms of like the family planning aspect but um how about in terms of you know specialties that you find are perhaps more like boys club feeling than others like has that influenced um where you see yourself career-wise um yes and no so like I said coming into medicine things that are more classically like the boys club which I I I see as things like surgery or some of the more internal medicine specialties, um, essentially the ones that require more intensive training and they're a little bit higher demanding. So like ICU, for example, those are, those are some of the ones that at least I perceive as more of a, a male dominant. So um, there were certainly a few of those that I have been interested in over the years, but I wouldn't say interested enough that I would be gunning for it and then change my mind because of like a male, female, like gender role or assumption. So maybe not in that sense. Um, I did have an occurrence that was actually quite like reassuring or encouraging. And that was when uh, I was a surgical assist for an orthopod who was in town. Um, And again, one of those like stereotypical um, persona that the different specialties put off and and, um, male, very strong, extremely talented. Um, 
And when I introduced myself as, as the surgicist, uh, I said, like, my name's Brittany, third year med student, I'm going to be your surgicist today. And the response was not incredibly welcoming. Um, and not the first question, but the second question that I got was, well, how strong are your biceps? And for those of you who don't know too much about me, uh, working out is, is kind of next to sleep in my, actually working out sometimes comes before sleep in my goals. Yeah. So I wasn't worried about my ability to actually surge assist in some of the large joint orthopedic surgeries, but it was the assumption that I wasn't going to be able to do it because I was female, I think was one of the biggest things. Um, and so, but I went into the surgeries, the surgeries went great. I had a great time. I worked really well with the surgeon and coming out of it was actually encouraged by the surgeon to, um, like consider a career in orthopedic surgery because I have a background in kinesiology. And so, you know, the muscles and bones, stuff like that comes a little bit easier um, than maybe some of the uh, general surgery things for me. Um, and also like the surgeon even commented that like, you know, I'm strong and I'm, I'm physical. And, and so those kind of characteristics, I had to prove myself that I was able to do the job before it was encouraged that I pursue something. Um, Although that that could have also happened in a in a male situation, I feel like because that's a career that is classically male dominated, it's more likely that those comments are going to go towards a, a female who may not seem as capable of performing the job. So it was encouraging that I received that feedback, but it was a matter of that I had to prove myself before I could receive any sort of like positive reinforcement for pursuing anything in that direction. Um, so, long answer short, I don't think the female role has particularly pursued my personal career choices, but I have seen it strongly influenced just in the air, basically. Yeah. For myself, I mean, disclaimer, spoiler alert, I applied to psychiatry, uh, which isn't particularly uh, leaning towards male or female. Actually, it's pretty equal from what I can see. But I guess for me, like seeing those surgical specialties where you know, it's like all male residents and it was like this boys club that felt like nobody could get into unless you were also like a man like them, like that automatically just shut something off in my brain. Because <laughs> when you look for a career, you you look for people that you see yourself working with too uh, and that you relate to. And, you know, it's hard to see myself in their shoes when I don't have any female role models to look up to I mean sometimes they have like one or two but you know they're like the exception and you don't always get to meet them so definitely at a subconscious level well maybe not so subconscious since I'm talking about it but (laughs) to a certain extent I think um, it gave me some certain preconceptions about the field and about whether I could see myself pursuing that specialty just seeing whether or not there are women in that field or not yeah Absolutely. And I, I mean, I, I guess in a sense, I, I do the same thing as like, first of all, picturing myself. Um, but I do take a look at like who, who I've experienced in that field um, and how I've seen them treat their colleagues, whether male or female. Um, and if it is perhaps more of a male dominated profession, I think it's really important to see how they treat their female colleagues because it's one thing to to be a minority in a profession um, or in like a subspecialty, but it can still be quite, you know, fruitful and, and enjoying and, and uh, like it, it can be okay. 
but it's another thing if you're in that situation and you're not respected by your colleagues. I think that would be a very difficult situation to be in because again, you're always trying to prove yourself. You're always trying to earn that respect where you should automatically have it regardless of if you're male, female, or don't identify as either. Um, So I think that would be the greatest challenge for me is being a minority and not being respected at the same time, because that's where my biggest, um, my biggest frustrations come out for sure. If you had, if you knew of other females coming up through medicine, maybe not like your, like your one and only piece of advice, but what are some things that you would want them to know going through medicine that either you did know or you wish you knew? Um, I guess like if I was just to speak to my younger self, I would kind of warn them that they would have to probably continue to prove themselves throughout their career, both to patients, their colleagues, everyone really that, you know, I'm competent and I am a woman. Yes, that is possible. (laughs) And I would say that, you know, like just have more confidence in yourself because yeah, you got into medicine for a reason and take up that space because you should not stop yourself from from benefiting from your education as much as as your male colleagues and if you hesitate rather than answering when you know the answer you're just depriving yourself of showing what you do know and what what you're capable of um, and I think that a lot of women deal with that like in that imposter syndrome because not only do you lack a little bit of confidence but like sometimes other people project that onto you and you think, oh, because they think that I'm incompetent, then I must be as well, right? So it's important to to take up space and to be confident. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Take up all the space that you need because that space is yours and you've earned it. And I don't think anyone should be able to take that away from you. If I was to have to give advice to my younger self or to other females coming through medicine, I think, I think what I would tell them is that it's really important to like advocate and speak up because I think there is a lack of females in powerful positions And I think that starts from med school. If you can develop those types of leadership skills and the confidence to have a voice at a higher level when you're in your early years of training, then I think that really just builds throughout your career. Um, I was fortunate enough that I did choose to get involved very early on. And I think it was really helpful to just grow my, not only my social skills, my leadership skills, but also just the confidence to be able to do more and more. Um, and not to say that you can't gain that confidence or have it right off the bat if you start later on, but it's just a really good leverage to be able to start earlier. So I think that's one thing is to not be scared to step up and put yourself out there. And I think the other thing is to really figure out like what you want out of your career. And if you are someone who really values family life and family planning, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I think it's important to like find those careers that will be able to lend itself to you to, to achieve that and to be satisfied with your 
um, academic slash career um, life as well as your personal life. But if you if you don't want that or you don't value that as much or it's not, you know, top priority on your list at this point in your life, whatever point in your life you may be at, then don't let what others tell you about how you should map out your career based on when you're going to take mat leave and how long the mat leave is and how much time you get off, etc. Don't let that influence the career path you want to take or the residency program that you want to go to, because that can be an influence for some people too, is, is, you know, time off and flexibility with family planning. So just really think about what it is that you wanted of a career and don't think that just because you're a female, it has to be like one or the other, like you can still shape your career just like anyone else can. Yeah. I wanted to go back to something you had said, Brittany, right before, before we, we finish off, but um, you know, that, that little part about, women taking up more powerful positions in medicine slowly but surely and becoming leaders. I just want to emphasize that, you know, you should find what kind of leader you want to be. And it doesn't necessarily need to emulate what a man's leadership in quotation mark looks like. Um, You know, there's different types of leadership and you don't have to be loud and (laughs) aggressive. You can be if you want to, that's your choice. But if that's not you, and you have like what we deem to be more feminine types of characteristics and quotation marks, um, like whether that's like being somebody who's very attentive and listening and empathetic. Those are all great leadership qualities, too, that will take you very far in life. And it's just important to be true to yourself and not to think that you have to you know, let go of certain aspects of yourself as you identify as a woman, just because you think that those traits represent weakness or or someone who doesn't fit um, what we classically imagine leaders to be like. And on that note, I think it's also important to really find women role models who are in those powerful positions. Like for myself, I really thought about that when I was looking at residency programs, looking at programs that have, you know, PDs or program directors who are women, because that's something that I perhaps want to pursue one day. And I want to be able to speak with and and discuss with women who have gone through that process and who can lead me by example. So with that, we will sign off and hopefully you guys can join us for our next episode as well. If you would like to reach out, our email address is ldtbpodcastcommittee at gmail.com. We would like to thank the CFMS, our production team, co-hosts, and other members for making this podcast possible.